0: Uh, Good morning, and hopefully next week will be much, much better than today. But um, as Gavin had mentioned, we are going through the series for Colossians, and uh, we are in the third week right now. Just to uh, briefly summarize Colossians for those who were not here uh, a couple weeks ago, it was written in roughly 60 ADs by Paul. Paul was writing to the people that lived in Colossae, and uh, the main message is, is mostly to... Uh, encourage them because he had heard of their uh, faith for Jesus and their love for all of God's people. So he was writing to encourage them, saying that your faith um, was was able to be heard from far and wide, and he also trying to remind them to stay true to the message of the gospel. And uh, even though, as we're uh, looking through this, 60 AD, so roughly, 30 years after Jesus died on the cross, the message of the gospel was already being diluted. The message of the gospel was already being added. People were adding things to the message of the gospel because in Colossae, there were religious leaders from somewhere else was coming in and saying, well, it's good that Jesus died on the cross for us, but you need to do something else. Uh, so just imagine that that was only 30 years after Jesus died on the cross, which is still in the same generation of those who witness Jesus dying on the cross, people were already adding things to the true message of the gospel. So just imagine 2,000 years after. So it's very applicable today because as we know, there are a lot of religious institutions that are adding a lot of things. And for us, it's good for us to always go back to scriptures and remind ourselves, What is the true message of the gospel? And obviously, we need to go to the source, right? The root of everything, which is the Bible right here. I actually um, forgot my Bible this morning, so I had to run home and grab it because I felt I need a prop. You know, I can't preach without the Bible. I know with the uh, technology nowadays, we we all have a mobile app uh, which works just as good and actually sometimes I like it better because you can look at different versions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly reading out of the NIV, but sometimes it's good you can flip to the ESV, you can um, English, ESV, English, something. Standard version, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, or oh, the King James version and what have you. So it's, it, in a way, it is really good to have and I can take it with me wherever I go. Uh, however, we still need to stay true to that. And, and understand that sometimes people tend to make it a lot more complicated. And it really is. And Paul is trying to remind them again. It's really not that complicated. Jesus died on the cross for all of us. Jesus is the only one who saves. Period. You don't need to be circumcised. You know, you don't need to... Uh, that sounds kind of prostitute. But anyway, you, know, you don't need to, to confess your sins to a holy person somewhere. Just believe in Jesus. And that's it. And Paul is trying to remind them of that. And and the same thing for us here at Restoration. We're going to say this every week. It's all about Scripture. Read Scripture. Believe in Jesus. And that's all we need. We don't need to dress a certain way. We don't need to look a certain way. We don't even need to talk a certain way. Just believe in Jesus. And understand who He is. That is the true message of the Gospel. So uh, you know, nowadays there are a lot of things that people are trying to do to attract people, which I understand. And it's good and right. You know, sometimes people want to have, um, what is something like incredible musicians? They will pay musicians to come in, which is fine. Sometimes they want to have a lot of flashing lights to bring in people, which is f- fine also. Uh, you know, how they want to decorate a really nice church building, which is also good. You want to have a very charismatic preacher, which is fine and right because we want to do everything well. Uh, an example is, you know, if, if people bring their kids, we want to make sure that the, they want to know that the kids are safe. However, That is not the true message of the gospel. And we need to always remember that. And always remember to remind people that. So, actually I kind of went off track a little bit. So, uh, anyway, the message of the gospel. uh, That's enough of that for now. I promise you, I will try to stay on course. And make sure we we go through uh, the book of Colossians. So we will be done by this year. Uh, Let's turn to chapter 1. Uh, for those of you, if you have a Bible, if you have an app, let's just go to Colossians. We are still working through uh, chapter 1 right now. I'm using the NIV version, just so you know. Uh, last week, Vanessa did an excellent job uh, preaching uh, from verse 7 through verse 14. Uh, if you missed the last two weeks, I want to encourage you guys to go back. And uh, just for the sake of all of us together, moving through the book of Colossians together, so we all know uh, what God is doing through us and what he's, where he's leading all of us. So I want to encourage you to go look on the on our website. We have the recorded sermon on there, or we also have a podcast on iTunes. If that is easier for you, we will try to get through. Um, I'm not going to promise anything, but we're going to try to get from verse 15 to 20. Uh, but you know, we, we I I do want us to really take our time and really let Scripture marinate and 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 stay with us because that is like what Gavin was praying earlier. That is the foundation, Jesus. The world, that is the foundation of what we do, of what, how we live, of, of how we make decisions. Because we need to know the world. So when we make life decisions in terms of uh, marriage or kids or moving or job change or what have you, we need to know that why we're doing those things and not be persuaded by just what's going on in today, in the now, um, what's going on in today's age. But anyway, sorry, I'm just like all over the place today. Thanks, thanks, Gavin. I appreciate it. So it's important for us to know scriptures also because we, we talked about this a lot. It's God's breath, right? That means the same Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that, that, that inspired 40 different authors to write this Bible, the same Spirit of God. 40 different authors. Those authors were comprise of who? Kings, princes, prophets, warriors, doctors, fishermen over a span of 1,500 years, 1,500 years. Three different languages, written in three different continents. The amazing thing is all those stories, geography, cosmology, histories, prophecies, miracles, none of them contradict each other. The reason for that is it's all inspired by one Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was was... was was writing these stories for those pe- through those people back then, and it's still speaking to us now. And that's the amazing thing about Scripture. And it's, it's still speaking to us, and as we get more into it, it's speaking to us different things in different seasons. Same verse will tell us different things in different season because that's amazing, because it has life in it. People, I've, I've heard this a lot. You know, The Bible is the best-selling book in the history of mankind, which is true. That sounds really amazing, right? Amazing and incredible. But it still does not adequately describe the magnitude and the power of the Bible and how it can transform people throughout the history of mankind. It's amazing because it has life in it. Like we said earlier, the life of God is in it. And it's instilling life in us as we read it. Uh, It's it's like, as I was uh, studying this, this book and I just realized, I just watched Jumanji. Have you guys seen the movie Jumanji? I just feel like this is like a a magic, right? The magic book. It's a magical book. Have you guys seen the movie uh, Jumanji? You know, the characters got pulled into the game. It's like, just like that. It's a magical book. It's a book of magic. Because in here, in here, I'll keep hanging on. See, in here, it it reveals the great mystery of life to us. Do you want to know what is the meaning of life? It's right here. You want to know to you want to live forever. You want to know how to live forever, eternal life. It's in here. We, in general, as people, spend so much time and money and energy trying to find the meaning of life, right? Do all this research, spending all this money to to make sure that we can live forever. We don't realize it's right here, in front of us, this whole time. So this is that's why I consider it's a magic, it's a magical book. Did I say that right? It's a book of magic but good magic, not magic, And it also reveals so much about who God is, you know, the unsearchable riches of God's grace on us that no amount of money we can ever possibly buy uh, reveals the, the, and also give us the instruction on how, to, um, how to, to live in the fullness of what God has intended for us to be. You know, for those of us, for myself, I was speaking for myself, I grew up on my own. So, I don't really know I have an example of what it's like to be a husband, to be a father, or even like to be a friend, or to be a sibling, a brother to someone. But right here, give us the instruction on how to be all those things. When we spend time with God, study, and as we go through Colossians, Colossians it will give us instruction on, on, on fathers, mothers, uh, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a friend, how to be a neighbor. This is the book. It gives us instructions on everything, and that's why it's so important for us to know it. And that's why we always want to talk about it and use it as a foundation, as a boundary for what we're going to do and how we do church and how we live. So, so it's like a magic book, right? We have possession of a magic book, and it gives us the inside track on, on how to live life. And it gives us the confidence and the conviction on, on what we're going to do and the decision that we make. And um, as, as I was preparing for this, you know, the verse that always pop up for me was from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. You guys don't need to turn there. It said, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them. When we read this, we will have the Spirit of God. And with the Spirit of God, He will call us to do different things that people, other people, we'll consider it as foolish, right? Because without God, people will consider it as foolish for us going to church every Sunday morning. I mean, I used to think there was foolish people for going to church every Sunday morning until I came to know Jesus. Like, why are you wasting your Sunday morning? Going to church, what are you going to get out of it? You know, it's, it's, people are considered as foolish when we make decisions based on what God is telling us. But they don't realize it's the Spirit of God is leading us is guiding us and it's showing us the way so we can have the confidence and conviction in terms of what we are doing where we're going to go and the life decision that we make so anyway having the confidence to do all those things we don't always know everything but we just trust in our god and we know that he will never lead us wrong we should not mind being considered foolish because nowadays i actually want to be considered foolish because when people are considering, considering me as someone who's living a foolish life, that means I am doing something right. I am following the will of God. And that's why I want to encourage you guys. If everyone is thinking that you are doing something okay or according to what people are saying, it's going to be a strong encouragement. People without the Spirit of God will consider everything we do as foolishness. So if they don't consider what we do as foolishness, that means we're not following the will of God and trusting in him, trusting in the things that he's leading us to do. So anyway, and, and, and it's, um, I'm going to share this from a personal, uh, we're going to get to Colossians. We're going to get there. I want to share like a personal experience. You know, there's, there's a verse that always stick with me. It's um, Psalm 84:10. 10. Better, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. When we experience the presence of God, whether it's through our worship time, or whether it's through reading scriptures, or whether it's through in our own time, you can never forget it. We can try to forget it sometimes and do the things that we want to do, but it's very, almost impossible because the touch of God has touched us, pull on us, reveal himself to us. So that's why it's important for us to always try to listen and be in tune with the Spirit of God and Very importantly, read the Bible. We always encourage this. On Sunday, we try to expand on the Bible. We try to read it and and share. But I will always say, please, go home and read it for yourself. Because that is the best way for God to speak to each and every one of us. Because as as we read the Bible, the Spirit of God will grab hold of us. and, and, And strengthen us. So then, we will not be swayed or persuaded or manipulated by others. When others start telling us, hey, these are the things that you need to do in addition to believing Jesus, you can, we can say, hey, the Bible does not say that. And also when we read more of uh, the Bible, uh, we allow the Spirit of God to transform us into more of the likeliness of who he is. I know these are like very simple foundational stuff, but it's good to be reminded again of why we need to always read scriptures and be in tune with what's going on. And as we read scripture, we'll, we'll, we'll be more confident of who he is, knowing that he is faithful, that he's very compassionate. He's love, He's powerful. He's with us and he's for us. So the more we read, the more that we, the read the Bible, the more that we will be reminded of those things, of who God is and how good he is. So when we worship him, it's coming from that place, a revelation of who he is and why there's only one person that we want to worship because... We should never worship anyone else. We should never sing to anyone else. So anyway, so let's go to Colossians. That was a really abrupt transition. I I had all this, I have more stuff on here, but I'm not going to share with you guys. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. The Son is the uh, image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20. So there are four chapters in this book of Colossians. There are many, many great things for for us to learn within these four chapters. However, if there's one section, if there's one section that I can encourage you to remember and memorize and study, that's it. Chapter 1 verse 15 to 20. Because these five verses, Paul expounded on the supremacy of Jesus Christ, our God. The one that we worship. He alone is sufficient. We don't need to add anything else to it. We don't need to do anything else. He alone is sufficient. His position, his, his power, his authority. Him, Jesus, alone is sufficient. It is enough, to make, it, it is enough for us to make decisions based on how we live. Is because of Jesus. Through Jesus. We have everything that we will ever need or want. He's a big deal, right? Jesus, he is a big deal. I think he's a big deal. We think he's a big deal. We will always make a big deal out of Jesus because our vision is to glorify Jesus everywhere. We don't want to glorify anyone else, just Jesus. So this means we will make Jesus a big deal in everything that we do and everywhere that we go. So these five verses will help us to have a better understanding of why Jesus is a big deal. So I want to encourage you guys, just read through these five verses over and over and over again, and let it stick in your heart. And if you can memorize it, even better. So let's work through these five verses, right? The Son is, is the image of the invisible God. Now we know that Jesus is the Son, right? So Paul was explaining who the Son is. Paul is trying to explain that the Son, his authority, and his kingdom, because if we look back on verses uh, 13 and 14, It said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We were rescued, and some of us are still being rescued. When I say some of us, I mean in general, some of us, from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. Through this Son, meaning through his death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, all of our sins, past, present, future, through him, we have received the forgiveness of sin. So we have been redeemed. I know last week, Vanessa talked about, we've been redeemed, we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. The kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. So what is this kingdom of darkness, right? It's called darkness because it's where the devil have caused his people, caused people to be consumed with just what is going on around them. Just what is going on around them. Things such as fear, anxiety, doubt, shame, low self-esteem, low self-worth, insecurity, momentary pleasure, self-indulgence. So when people are barely coping because we have to deal with these things constantly, like shame and guilt and the things in our past and how we can overcome them, or even sometimes pride in terms of other things that we have done, we're not when People are not able to see beyond the veil that the, the Satan has put over our eyes. That's what it means to be in the dominion of darkness. So people are not able to see things in the distance, to see the future, the hope, and the inheritance that God has set aside for us that belong to us. It's already given, been given to us. But we're not able to see it because we're so consumed with what's going on around us and try to get through the day. That is the that is, the, that is the kingdom of darkness. And not only the inheritance for us, but also for our children, for the generation that come after us. You know, for some of us, don't, that, not everyone have kids. But just think about that. When you have kids, not only do we want our inheritance, we want, that, we want them to receive their inheritance and walk into it. So we don't want to be in the dominion of, of darkness. Uh, This is not to say that there are seasons when things are so hectic. You know, I know we get get busy sometimes. There are things we just barely get by on a day-to-day basis. But that should not be like that for our whole life. Because we have an inheritance. We belong in the kingdom of God. And who is this son, right? So Paul is leading up to that. So who is this son? Who is this king in the kingdom of the son that we've been rescued into? Who is this ruler? Who is this ultimate leader of this kingdom that we now belong to? Which is the opposite of the dominion of darkness. Let's take a look. The sun is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the image of the Father. Right? So we know Jesus. We know the Father. If we have seen Jesus, we have seen the Father. Jesus said so himself in John 14 verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So if we do know Jesus, we also know the Father. If we have seen Jesus, we have seen the invisible God. We know that we will create it in his image, right? I think this is very foundational, uh, basic stuff. And we will create it in his likeness. So we, as we look around, we can see the physical in terms of his creations. But what about the invisible God? Invisible as in unseen or cannot be seen. So this is about seeing with our eyes. When we try to look with our natural eyes, we will never ever be able to fully see God. We just get a good glimpse of who God is through his creation. Because God is spirit. We get to see part of his creation, but God is spirit. Jesus said so in um, John 4 verse 24. Um, God is spirit, so his worshiper needs to worship in spirit. So he's, he's invisible to the physical eyes, but through our faith, we will see the invisible God. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, right? So what is faith? Faith in Jesus. What is faith? Confidence in the things that we do not see. When we have faith, we will see Jesus, and we will see the invisible God. Because God is not limited to a physical body. Because if he is, he can't be everywhere at one time, right? Jesus only came to earth in the human body as a sacrifice. Because if he's limited to a physical body, he can't be everywhere all the time. He cannot be omnipresent. And if he's not omnipresent, I don't want to worship that God. And that's why we need to allow the Holy Spirit to take root within us, have faith in Jesus. Then we will be able to see Jesus both in the physical and in the spiritual. And when we can see Jesus in the spiritual, we can see the invisible God through our faith in him. And we, because he's around us. He's everywhere around us. He's in everything. And we'll get to that verse in, in verse 16. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So what Paul is trying to say is Jesus was not created first. What Paul was trying to say is he was the firstborn before creation, before everything that was created. Because back in those days, the term firstborn means someone who has complete authority, and power and ruling in the household. For example, the firstborn, the older son, will have complete power. The older son will speak for the father. So that's what Paul is trying to say is, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Not that he was created first. He was not created. Jesus was with God and he was God. We know that from John uh, chapter 1. So what, what, what Paul is trying to remind the Colossians again and, and remind us again is, Jesus has complete authority and power over God's household, over this kingdom of God. That's who Jesus is. So everything, living thing, non-living thing, one grain of sand, Jesus has complete authority over it. A drop of water, ranging up to the sun in the sky, the galaxy, the universe. He has authority over all things, over all creation, over angels, and the, and the devil himself. He has authority over all things. Because in verse 16 it said. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him. And for him. He has authority over all things. He's in everything that was ever created. In all different formats. Visible. And invisible. So the invisible is only seen through the Spirit of God. You know, with us, we, we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It's in the Spirit, the invisible. And we can see that because of Jesus. It allows us to have the Holy Spirit so we can see both the invisible and the visible. Things in heaven and on earth. As I was studying this, I actually completely missed the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For some reason, I did not realize God created the heavens and the earth. And as I'm studying this again, it's like, oh, wow. He created everything. So everything in heaven and on earth, He created that. He's in all those things. All the angels and all these holy whatever. There's, there's, so many, there's so many angels that, uh, that are being worshipped nowadays. We need to remember that Jesus created all those things. And that's what Paul is trying to remind the Colossians, the Colossians because later on in Colossians, he's using this to remind them again because there are people that are coming along to try to persuade the Colossians to believe in certain angels or certain mystere, mystical understanding of wisdom in addition to Jesus. And Paul is trying to remind them in the beginning, God created everything. And that's, it's, it's, worth, it's worth reminding to all of us again that we can come to Jesus directly. I know here we talked about that all the time, but I want to remind all of us again that we can come to Jesus directly. And we should. We should never have to go through any intermediary, any holy person, or, or an angel. We can come to him directly. God God put people in our lives just mostly for a second opinion for counsel, for advice uh, for consultations and such it's not because they have better access to Jesus we all do and in this verse it said uh, I, I think I underlined the verse in him, through him and for him all things, everything visible or invisible were created for him through him and in Him. Our thrones, we're talking about kings, presidents, our rulers, or powers, or authorities were created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. I think this statement is fairly comprehensive and it's pretty definitive, right? I know due to the current political climate, um, we tend to forget this verse, our rulers, or authorities, our powers, or authorities. Everything, all thrones, were created by him, for him, through him, in him. So, if we are blaming there's a reason why such and such is elected or not elected, get back to this verse. All things were created for him, in him, and through him. And if we put Jesus first, everything will seem much less important. And verse 17 Verse 17 kind of sum up verse 15 and 16 as he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus goes before all things and everything falls apart without him. He holds the universe together. Um, that's, that blows my mind as I was trying to study it. He holds everything together. Visible and invisible. He holds everything together. That's the king of the kingdom that we've been rescued into. He holds the universe together. That is the king of the kingdom that we have access to. That is the king of the kingdom that we belong to. He holds everything together. So not only does he have authority over all things, he goes before all things. Everything that we experience and are going through, he knows. You know, I was trying to use some of the examples. Like, if you have a lost loved one, Jesus knows. He lost Lazarus, his friend. He wept. Jesus wept. We know this from John 11 verse 35. Jesus knows the things that we're going through. He he goes before all things. Have you ever been betrayed by a loved one? Jesus knows. We know about Judas. Have you ever had a best friend that denied knowing you? Jesus knows. Just think about Peter. He's been through all those things. So that just, that's just like some of the things for us to remember because when they said he's before all things, not only is he above all things, but he's gone before us. He knows all the things that we're going through. He went through everything so we cannot say he doesn't know what we're going through. You know, the, the example that I used to use this is people don't understand what I'm going through. <laughs> Do you guys ever say that? I mean, I, I have. You're like, you just don't understand what I'm going through. But when we spend time with God, we know that he knows everything. He holds everything together. Everything visible and invisible was created in him, through him, and for him. He holds everything together. Like I said, visible and invisible. Just think about the earth, the seas, the planet, the galaxy, the stars, the universe. Those are the visible things. He holds those things together. The invisible philosophies. Religions, theories, scientific facts, or scientific rules. Religions, angels, demons, human understanding, human reasoning. He holds all those things together. Those things were created for him, through him, and in him. That's flabbergasting. If we cannot, we can't wrap our mind around it. Even the things that we're thinking, he's in it. It was created... For him, through him, in him, they are all held together by Jesus. So that's why we always want to make a big deal out of Jesus. I'm going to try to end with uh, with that. I I know it's only verse 17, but I want to end with that. It's it's that's why we want to make deal make a big deal out of Jesus and who he is. You know, the King of this kingdom that we've been rescued into, because that's what Paul was trying to say, and he's trying to say in just a few verses but it's for us to really spend time and think it it through and really dig in to see what is Paul really saying. Actually, what is the Holy Spirit is really saying through Paul is everything was created in him, through him, and for him. So that's why we have been rescued from this dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son who he loves. We belong to that King who holds everything together. That's why we always want to make a big deal out of Jesus. This is why we only want to worship Jesus. That's why we only want to acknowledge Jesus. Not angels or any other trending philosophies or trending hot topics that's going on. I know there are a lot of social justice topics that's going on. I think it's important. I think it's good for us to know and I think it's, uh, it's good for us to understand righteousness and justice and, and, and do what God has called us to do. But those things should never, ever be above Jesus. Jesus is always, always, Above everything. He's in everything. Right? That's why our vision and our statements are all about Jesus. We, we care for the poor. We do. We want to make sure that people are taken care of. But it's not at the sake of worshiping Jesus. Because he is above all things. All authority and power has been given to Jesus. He is before all things. And everything holds together because of him. So I want to end by saying that I want to encourage us to read these five verses. Read through them. Meditate on them. Pray over them. And just one word at a time. And ask for God to reveal more to us because I know as we ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal these verses to us, we will have a greater understanding, a greater revelation of who Jesus is and why we make decisions based on what He's telling us to do and why we trust Him why we know that He's for us. He is with us always. And when we spend time in these verses, especially these five verses, you know, the, the tough things that we're going through and the troubles that we're facing, they won't, they won't, seem, they won't seem so bad. But that on the flip side, you know, some of the highs that we're going through when we read through these verses, we know that those highs, those incredible things will not be as awesome as the mighty God that we belong to, that we have the privilege to know, and to follow. So anyway, go through those verses together. Um, I know we are running a little bit over time. I usually try to keep it within 30 minutes. And I know I went way, way long two weeks weeks ago, so I want to keep it short and just work through these verses. I want to encourage you guys, again, I know you're sick of hearing this, but read through these five verses on your own time. Meditate on them. Pray over them. And um, and you just have... um, and and you know we we may be able to share this thing from the front, and there are things that you may not know before. But when you spend time with God, that He will reveal incredible things to us that no one can ever explain, and no books can ever tell you who He is and what He's trying to tell us. So, with that, um, I'm going to end by saying we'll go through verse 18 to 20 next week. Um, <laughs> we will get through 20 next week, and then we're going to move on because. Uh, As I was preparing for this, I kept uh, going further down than I should have because at the end of this chapter, one verse is incredible. It's actually, it's even better than the five verses I've been telling you guys. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So once we understand these five verses, we will have somewhat of a glimpse of how incredible that verse really is. Christ in me the hope of glory.